When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to 2024! Do some sort of New Year's like fanfare. Some, some sort of jingly fanfare. Okay, here we go. There it was. And the new season of whatever this show actually is. I mean, what is it really? It's a good question, isn't it? I mean, we started as an audiobook with commentary from the Peanut Gallery. That's you, Bernard. Oh, yes. And then we folded in some agony aunt slash fortune telling for the listeners. We used to do cocktail recipes, remember? Oh, we did. Bernard did a song recently. So uh, what I'm saying is the show, it's always been a it's, bit... It's been an eclectic mix, hasn't it? A mess. It's a mess, let's be frank. Well, a hodgepodge. One of those American salads that include mayonnaise and gummy bears. Yes, a dog's dinner. But to our surprise, it seems a lot of people out there like dog's dinners. Yes, we have quite a few listeners now. Hello, hello to you all. Yes, hello, around the world. <laughs> Turns out people enjoy an absolute dog's dinner of a show. Maybe we should call our fans Magenta's Puppies. Bernard's Bitches. Oh, no, no, maybe not. Anyway, our swelling fandom will be delighted to hear that change is afoot for the show. We're bringing you something fresh and new this season. Actually, they're not going to like that, are they? Oh. You know what fans are like. Very stuck in their ways. Oh, yes, the same thing over and over again. But change is happening, so tough shit, all right? It's like a marriage. Think of it like a marriage. You have to mix it up. That French maid's outfit might have worked the first few times, but it's not going to fit forever, is it? Well, I have put on a little weight, it's true, but we could just get a bigger French maid's outfit. No, Bernard, I tire of it. It's not buttering my croissant anymore. What about the Henry Cavill Geralt Witcher costume? I mean, it's really just a black blouse, isn't it? And, yes. and a pair of boots, but that stays. That's a keeper. That's like a that. perennial favourite. Yes. Right. Anyway, back to the show. Uh, what was I saying? Uh, what is this change we speak of, you ask? Well, we're getting a little bit X-Files on you. A little bit what was that thing where they went around a sort of reality show where they went into Oh, uh, ghost hunting. Ghost hunting. Yvette Fielding, Derek yes, Acora and all it. that. I'm probably not explaining it very well, but some people might call it an audio drama series, but it's not like that. It's it's more like a reality TV show. What is it called, Bernard? It's called M&B's Paranormal Investigations. So, in M&B's Paranormal Investigations, Magenta and I travel around being all sort of Mulder and Scully. Clients will uh, call in with their esoteric and ghostly problems, maybe they're being haunted by a, a restless spirit and we sort of use the the things that we have at our disposal or magenta's tricks of the trade to uh, make things better for both the client and the ghost hopefully because i that's... mean i'm doing all the work aren't i bernard i'm, I'm sort of documenting and, and there for moral support yes you're the what do you call it the person who writes down things uh, the scribe, is that it? Yes, or the secretary, or my secretary in a way. I suppose, yes, it's probably going to be me answering the Saucy phone. Saucy secretary! It? Well, it's it's pretty on brand. New kink unlocked, <laughs> as the kids say. But we're still doing listeners' letters too, and that's what we're doing today. So we're inviting you back into the new season with some old shit that we've done a million times <laughs> the, before. Like slipping on a pair of old slippers. And discovering the cat sicked up a hairball into one of them. Right, so first up, what do we have first? We have Cole from the US. 
Cole says, will Bernard please read this in the voice of his favourite cartoon character? Oh, right. So uh, uh, cartoon characters that I like very much are Pinky and the Brain. Oh. I could do p- both Pinky and the Brain for this letter. What about Droopy, though? Ooh, I, I could do we him as well. We talk about Droopy quite a lot, because we know a lot of Droopies. <laughs> yes, there are a lot of people in the world who sort of inhabit that sort of sad sack personality. Sad sack, but sinister. They, he's very like all of the people that just go, Oh, don't worry about me. Just little old me. I'll be all right. Passive aggression. But uh, you, uh, Pinky and the Brain, which one? Well, I can do Pinky and the Brain. Oh, what sort of alternating line? Why not? Yes. How about alternating and then Droopy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So pinky brain droopy, pinky brain droopy, like that. Well, it's a quite a short letter. <laughs> oh, it is. It's only two lines long. <laughs> I can do. Uh, well, uh, I, I tell you what, we'll do that for the next one. All right. This one I'll read as uh, droopy since we've mentioned him. Okay. Dear Madam Magenta, I'm not overly stuffy, but I also don't want my kid to be rude to other kids or adults. How should we teach good manners in the modern world? I mean, you could be literally like Droopy and just sort of follow your kid around, appearing at inopportune moments. Yes, because the, the the running gag in that is that when it, wherever you go, wherever you turn, he's just always there. He's sort of omnipotent, isn't he? Although that's helicopter parenting, isn't it? Oh, yes, that, that, that's not advisable, is it? But in the most leaden party-pooping way <laughs> possible. Anyway, we're not here to answer the questions with our own brains, Bernard. No, we're here to consult the spirits. And as always, we're going to use bibliomancy. It's very exciting. We're starting the new year with some new books. So what books are we going to use for bibliomancy today? I don't know. I just grabbed them off the shelf, to be honest. But maybe they represent what we're looking forward to in the new year. And where you're at in life. Yes, maybe, maybe. Although also looking backwards, because we have The Vampire Lister by Anne Rice. A stone-cold classic. Absolutely. And I remember reading that at 12 or 13 and really liking it very much. Emerging, time. emerging hormones and all that sort of thing. And I will tell you what, there's a, there's a TV series of Interview with a Vampire out at the moment and it's bloody good. So that's, yes, the, you, you, Brits can watch it on BBC. I think Americans it's uh, AMC, isn't it? Oh my God, it's so good. It's fulfilling everything I wanted at 12 and 13. So basically everything that was sort of implied in the books, they've just gone the whole hog, haven't yes, they? Yes, they, they certainly have. <laughs> yeah, so if you spent uh, some part of your adolescence going, kiss, kiss, about uh, Lestat and Louis, then <laughs> let, let me just say you'll be very happy. You'll enjoy this. Yes. Oh, sorry, and the, the other two books, Fool's Quest by Robin Hob, and we're all on a bit of a fool's quest, aren't we? What um, is life if not a fool's quest? That's very wise. Yes, and uh, then finally we have Gabor Mate with Scattered Minds, The Origins and Healing of Attention Deficit Disorder. don't know why we have that. Yeah, well, well yes. I can't imagine why we have that. No. So, which one, Bernard? Well, some might say that uh, trying to control the actions of a wild kid... Uh, is a fool's quest. So you could <laughs> you could argue that we could go for that one. What a very natural way to say that. <laughs> so uh, the question is, child rearing, how do I make my kid not be a little douchebag? Yes, do... I don't want my kid to be rude to other kids or adults. Yes, how do you teach good manners in the modern world, which means you can't give them a clip round the ear any longer, can you? It's a good question, this, isn't it? Yes. Did you ever get a clip round the ear, Bernard? I don't think so. I might have got a clip across the cheeks, by which I mean the cheeks on my face, I realise that that sounds... <laughs> So a clip is weird, isn't it? What do they mean, a clip? What, sort of attach a paperclip to you? I mean, that that sounds quite torturous, doesn't it? Uh, well, a paperclip's not very strong. It's not like a safety pin. Come here and let me put a paperclip yeah, on still, your ear. Yeah, hold still. Hold still. I'll put this small sort of paper binder on your ear, and that's punishment of some sort. 
I guess it means like a, a, a sort of swipe. I mean, it's a really weird thing to do, isn't it? It's because I mean, it's a, quite a small target for a start. So how should we teach good manners in the modern world? I mean, I've got to, I'm going to clue most people are ill-mannered, aren't they? Give us a number, Bernard. Uh, 132. 132. I'm making my way through the book. Ooh, the sound of esoteric. Uh, and, and give us a number. Line five. One, two, three, four, five. Clever girl, the fool murmured approvingly. Oh. There we go. Clever girl. So maybe they're saying lead by the carrot, not the stick. So if this child is sounds to me like they're rude, I mean, why would you write in, really, unless your child is quite rude? It sounds like there's a problem that you need solving, doesn't so it? So if they're rude because they don't really care about other people's feelings... <laughs> I'm not... I mean, kids apparently literally don't have any empathy. We all go on about how wonderful children are. Apparently, their em empathic thing isn't even developed yet. Right. So they're all a bunch of little psychopaths. But anyway, so uh, I'm getting off the subject. Uh, so if they can't be compelled to be nice to people out of empathy, they need to be compelled by Machiavellian persuasion. Ah. So what I'm saying is, you tell them, ah, clever when you're nice to people. It's very manipulative. You can manipulate them into doing very nice things for you. You can manipulate them into giving you sweets and stuff. So, And right, then so whenever, they're, whenever they're nice, you go, clever girl, like the velociraptors in Jurassic Park. I mean, that, that was what, what I was thinking. I, I did think about that. Because, you know, the, the velociraptors in Jurassic Park, they worked as a team, didn't they? They hunted in, in pairs, yes. Yes. So while one is distracting you in front of you, the other one comes and gets you from the side. So you know what the basis of that is that they always bang on about at school? Teamwork. Oh, I see. Teamwork and cooperation. Again, you have to explain to the child why they should be nice to people. And you can't rely on their empathy. So you have to go, well, it's all about working as a team and you've got to be nice to your teammates and then you can take down the enemy. Ah, so uh, it's sort of appealing to the psychopath in them at that age because as we've established they have no empathy so all you can do is promise them a sort of world domination i mean i remember being a small child and being like you know what i'm gonna grow up marry a rich person and then divorce them and get half the money and i was so proud of this plan that's a real life hack you came up with there i mean it's awful though isn't it it's it's a little unromantic yes <laughs> i mean i wasn't relying on my own skills and abilities i was just like i'm gonna find a sucker <laughs> <laughs> and fleece them. Yeah. And I was, I'd, t I'd tell everyone. I was like, listen to this. I've got, a, I've got a hell of a plan. I've nailed this. I've absolutely nailed life. And my sister, she wanted to be a page three model. <laughs> For those in the US who aren't aware of what a page three model is, there used to be, a, there was a newspaper and on page three of this very popular newspaper was a lady with a norks out. And that was what your sister was uh, aiming for, was it? Yeah, she wanted to be a page three model and I, mean, I wanted to fleece for a rich man. I mean, I suppose it's a noble enough aim. It doesn't sound much like your sister, but... Uh, well, it doesn't sound like me, does no, it? No, it doesn't, it doesn't. You don't have much money, Bernard. No, that really backfired, didn't it? I Luckily, I grew out of that, uh, yes. that impulse. And married a musician. <laughs> yes, yes. So it really didn't work, did it? Good. Well, I hope that answers your question, Cole. I'm sorry if you're uh, for calling your child a psychopath, but you know that's science, really. It's at that science. Point. You can't argue 
with science, vaguely remembered science. I think I might have read that in a tweet about the empathy of children. Well, nothing wrong was ever said in a tweet. No. Thank you for your letter, Cole. Do write in again, because we'll be doing more of these letters interspersed with Magenta and Bernard's paranormal investigations. Yes, we're, we're not going to neglect you. We're not going to leave you hanging. We're going we're gonna to hel- keep helping you with your problems as well as our many clients. Our second letter is from Raquel, who is from Texas, USA. Now, since I didn't get to do Pinky and the Brain for the previous one, I suppose I could read Raquel's letter as Pinky and or the Brain. Well, I think alternating sentences. So one sentence is Pinky and then the next sentence is Brain. Yes, like you're having a conversation with each other. All right. Mm. Hello, Madame Magenta and Bernard. My name is Raquel and I'm from Texas, USA. I'm working on a comic book and I figured I'd write in for your ethereal knowledge. So here we go. My comics are autobiographical and risque. My dad sort of knows the type of stuff I draw, but not entirely. About one third of my book is about him and my stepmother being dickheads. (laughs) On the rare occasions that I speak to my dad, he inquires, when will I get to see it? Better save me a copy. I always say, of course, dad. But I have no intention of ever giving him a copy, lol. How should I handle this, Madame Magenta? I also draw a lot of sexy things, and so, <laughs> and so even without all the stuff about my dad, I still wouldn't feel good about showing it to him. In fact, it'd be a total nightmare, lol. If you want to check out my stuff, I'm at Raquel Jack on IG. So that's R-A-Q-U-E-L-L-E-J-A-C. On Instagram. Yes. Well, that felt like a very respectful read of that letter. Well, I, th- I think so. Although I am now thinking of Pinky doing sexy drawings. I don't know whether it would have been more disturbing for that sentence to have landed on Pinky or the brain. What book would you like me to do, Bernard? Well, so what do we have left? We have uh, the Vampire Lestat and we have the ADHD book. I think we should do the Vampire Lestat. All right. Because it mentions sexy things. Oh, it? yes. Mm, good point. Yes, nothing sexier than this. All right. So give us a number, Bernard. Uh, 66. Sixty-six! All right, and give us another number. Six. One, two, three, four, five, six. But that's just it, I said. We don't make any discovery at that moment. So we don't make any discovery, just don't give it to him. So when he says, when will I get to see it, better save me a copy, just ignore it, just go, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just... In infinitum. So is essentially, that the, uh, word? Ad, ad infinitum. Ad infinitum, not so, in ad infinitum. In ad nifitum. <laughs> so essentially, what you're doing already, isn't it, Raquel? Yes. I mean, some things you can just put off and put off and put off, really. I mean, he doesn't want to read it. You don't want to give it to him. You know, this reminds me, Bernard, of my father-in-law. Does it? Yes. Because <laughs> right, okay. uh, your father yes. wrote a series of dirty books, That's didn't true, he? true, he did, yes. Yes, my dad wrote a porno, indeed. And, uh... I, in a moment of polite madness, said I would read them. (laughs) We could use them for bibliomancy. Oh, that would be quite good, I suppose. I mean, you have have bought them, and I'm sure as hell not reading them, so if we use them for bibliomancy, this might be quite an interesting way of finding out what's in them. Does he listen to this? I don't think so. Yeah, and we should definitely do that. Actually, I think he genuinely wanted me to read them, and I, I just haven't, because I don't want to imagine him in those sort of positions. And he did say that one of the characters is based on him. So, uh, <laughs> little insight, little insight into our home life here. Into the, the very genuine home life. Yes. <laughs> But yes, so, uh, he, and, and they're visiting, in fact, tomorrow. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, I imagine I'm going to have to just pretend that I have every intention of reading them. So in many ways, you're in the same boat as Raquel here, aren't you? Yes, you just have to keep pretending you have every intention of handing over a copy and then just don't. Although actually, I tell you what, Bernard, Raquel is in a slightly different boat because I think if she just told her dad that it was a bit sexy... He'd be like, oh, all right then, no, don't worry about it, I don't want to read it. Yes, quite possibly. So she, in this context, is the originator of the sexy thing, and you are on the receiving end of the sexy thing. Oh, God, don't say that. On the receiving end of my father-in-law's sexy thing. Well, no, I didn't mean it like that, but uh, (laughs) but yeah, but I think think you see what I'm getting at, don't you? Not really. I think actually the situations are very different, aren't they? So, in fact, uh, Raquel, you don't have to worry about anything. Just say it to him straight. If, If it's not enough, to just keep putting it off and off and off. Eventually, just go, look, Dad, do you want to see my rendering of a, <laughs> of a pair of tits? Do you want to see the congress of characters that I originated in my, my own head? Do you? Yes, a, a really intricate description of my own wank fantasies. Is that what you want to see, Dad? Do you want to see what I consider sexy? Do you? I, I think you should keep going at it like that long after he said no. <laughs> As well, just pummel him, absolutely bombard him with this same question over and over again. As he's cowering in the corner, go, do you want to see what what sort of nipple clamps my characters use, which are based on the nipple clamps I use myself? Do you? So there you go. That will make for a very interesting dinner party. If I was asking my father-in-law that, he'd just, he'd just say yes. Yes, I, I'm yes. fascinated by that. I, w- I would love you to, to <laughs> cast your eyes upon my most torrid fantasies. Let's move on. To the third and final letter, although this is in two parts. So this is another Texan. Yes, it is. Gosh, we're popular in Texas. Apparently it's a lot more liberal than than you think. Yes, getting more and more liberal all the time, isn't it, Texas? Although it's very big, so I imagine there's still plenty of pockets where they would, you know, burn us as witches. Of course. So this is from Carissa from Texas. Is she going to explain it all, do you think? Oh, very good. For anyone who remembers the 90s uh, children's sitcom... Clarissa explains it all. All right, Carissa hasn't said how she wants you to read this. All right, so uh, what what, uh, voice shall I do this one in? Why don't we stick to cartoons? Oh, good plan. How about Goofy? Oh, gosh, yes, that's a... I think you mean gosh. Gosh. (laughs) All right, well, I'll I'll give it my very best shot. Have we done Goofy before? I don't think we ever have, which is a surprise because it's a sort of voice actor impressionist's uh, go-to, I think. Then Goofy it is. Off you go. All right. Good morning slash evening, Madame Magenta and Sir Bernard. Sir, why are you sir? Yes, I get... (laughs) Where's your knighthood? Your title? (laughs) I am creating an activity jar and need some more esoteric activities. Oh, yeah. I have tarot card spreads, bibliomancy, and an egg cleanse. Do you have any other suggestions for an amateur? This activity jar is something we plan to pull suggestions from if we're bored but don't know what to do. Thank you for your help, and I hope you're both having a wonderful day. So when we got this uh, email, I uh, I wrote back immediately saying, what the hell is an egg cleanse? An egg cleanse. So this is part two. Do you want to do it like uh, a Mickey? Go on. Oh, right, yes. When you do an egg cleanse, you are checking in on your curse status. You need a cup of water and an egg. You run the egg on your body, head, arms, outer torso, etc. Not the inner torso, then. No, not the inner torso, Mm -hmm. just the outer torso. 
then crack it open into the water. The color and the look of the egg yolk slash egg white will tell you whether you are cursed or boring. I think it would be used considering your line of work. <laughs> Do you think Mickey's ever done an egg cleanse? So that's interesting. <laughs> so you rub an egg all over you and then you crack it open. And the color, so the color and the look of the egg yolk, uh, egg white will tell you whether you're cursed or not. So does that mean it has to turn like jet black or blood red or something? Yes, she she missed out the, the crucial piece of information there, which is how you tell which is which. Yes, or it, maybe it has a beak in it which opens and says, you're cursed, and that's how you know. So if it's, if it's just sort of a normal egg, you know, if it comes out looking like, you know, you're about to make a fried egg, then you're probably boring. But if there's some very obvious issue with the egg after you've rubbed it all over yourself, then you're cursed. I imagine you'd only do this if you already suspected you were cursed. Well, otherwise, it's a bit of a waste of an egg. Well, you, I, I guess you can eat it afterwards. Oh, that's true. If it comes out normal, you can just fry it up. Yes, or if it doesn't come out normal, what might that taste like? Maybe that's a rare delicacy. Ooh, yes. Open your own restaurant. Cursed eggs. Yes, and not everyone can do that because not everyone's cursed. Yes, because I imagine then every time you open the egg, it would be the same colour. If you continue to be cursed, if you never get rid of your curse, then you've got an interesting little sideline there. Or maybe it's a bit like a chlamydia test where you don't necessarily have any symptoms of being cursed. You know, it sort of lies dormant. Uh, sort of messing with your fertility. But the only <laughs> side effect is that you get these unusual eggs out of it. Yes. Well, that I mean, that's the best of both worlds, isn't it? You don't have to put up with any curses, but you do get the You do red... get fabulous eggs. You get fabulous eggs. Of all kinds of colours. Sounds quite good. Well, Carissa, if you are cursed, then there's a silver lining for you. Carissa figures it out indeed. No, that wasn't it. Carissa <laughs> figures it out. <laughs> what is it? Carissa... Uh, explains it all. Explains it all indeed. Oh, well, she did, and she did. She explained what... Well, name. she didn't explain all of it, because she didn't explain what the egg looks like if you're cursed. So, no, she didn't quite explain it all. No. But she came close. All right, so uh, Carissa wrote into us as experts in this matter, asking for more things to go in her activity jar. Her jar of esoteric activities. Yes. Although, you know, God, I mean, we use bibliomancy every single time, don't we? I've become a bit of a one-trick pony, to be honest. Well, we've got the cat cards, which we use occasionally. Just grab any old piece of shit and figure out how to use it. That's what I do. You know, if if you work hard enough... Anything can be an esoteric prompt, can't it? You know how really good musicians can, like, get a tune out of anything? Oh, yes, like a, a stretch of piping or something. Yes, yes, so it's, it's a bit like that, you see. Once you get incredibly good at what you do... Yes, and they, they say, you know, magic's all in the... It's all in the... In the uh, I'm trying to do a... a but they always say tone is in the fingers for guitarist, but I'm, t- I'm not I've sure. I've never heard that. And I'm, I'm not sure, sure not magic many, is in the fingers. Not is many a... other people. <laughs> magic is in the fingers. Some people's fingers it is. Bernard. Anyway, uh, 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 so shall we it? consult the ADHD book for an answer to this question? Oh then? yes, because we're asking the thingies, aren't we? So we're tuning into a very particular kind of spirit here, the sort that might not uh, stay on topic, to be honest. But... Right, let's see what happens. Yes, give us a number, Bernard. One hundred. No, one hundred and one. No, ninety-six. See, that's me doing a doing a not staying on topic thing. Uh, anyway, uh, one hundred. Yes, we'll go with the first one. And another number. Two. Two. Dandy, I guess. He did say on being further questioned that my mother laid down a lot of the law and occasionally got out the spoon. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. So in your activity thing, a spoon. And how might you use that in an esoteric way, you ask? Yuri Geller used to bend spoons, didn't he? So there you go. Have a spoon in there. So Yuri Geller, he was a, uh, he was a, well, he's still around, isn't he? But he, he was a sort of celebrity mentalist, wasn't he? 
who would bend. <laughs> he certainly in, was. In every sense of the word. Do they know him in the US, I wonder? I don't know. I think he was actually sort of more famous in the UK. He was a chap who basically got famous for bending spoons. Well, he would go on TV and claim he could do all sorts of outrageous things. The thing is, you get a tin spoon. You can just bend it, can't you? It's not hard. You just need a bit of application. Although he'd do this thing where he rubbed it quite gently and then it would bend and everyone was like, oh, magic's real. You know, I saw him once. Yuri Did you? Geller. Yes. I just had my hair dyed blue. <laughs> this was before uh, before it became a sort of trope that uh, strange women had blue hair. I was doing it before before it was... Well, you mm. know, forever a trend. It's a trope for a reason. Yes. Let's put it that way. And I was walking down the street. I just had blue hair done. And Yuri Geller was walking the opposite direction. And we locked eyes. We did. Did you? We did. You had a moment with well, Yuri. Well, I thought, is that Yuri Geller? And uh, he was looking at me and probably going, what's wrong with that woman's <laughs> hair? <laughs> so it was a profound moment uh, where two magic practitioners, one of them a total fraud, and the other one absolutely brimful of magic. I'll leave you to figure out which is which. You know, had a moment of uh, esoteric uh, eye meat. Wow. Meeting. Well, that's a story I had not heard about you magenta really no no that's new to me as well listeners imagine being an x-man and the only thing you can do is bend spoons so what can you bring to this team this crack team of elite superheroes fighting crime and and evil around the world i mean it just goes to show we're very easily impressed isn't it just bending some spoons it was the 70s his fame lasted well into like the 90s that's true yes yes and beyond i think he did very well out of bending some spoons he took a tiny thing and he really stretched the fuck out of it it's actually quite inspirational isn't it so but how might you carissa use the spoon well if you look in one side of it you get a sort of convex face so what are you going to do with that <laughs> <laughs> a bit like looking into a crystal ball. Oh perhaps. yes, of course. Yes, yes. So perhaps uh, stare into the concave, the convex uh, side of the spoon, and uh, see what you can see. Things behind you, <laughs> a bit warped. Oh, oh, here's another uh, idea. How about an inactivity jar instead of an activity jar? So. Activities that don't require you to do very much. Because in that way, you know, it's quite a meditative state. Uh, you open your mind to range across the planes of existence. Yes, so what in your inactivity jar is activity no inactivity number one, staring at a spoon. Or using the spoon to cook some heroin. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm not advising any heroin is cooked. On this show. No, have it raw, as nature intended. <laughs> all right. So it's it's lovely to welcome you all back here today. Uh, so that's the end of our letters today. But we're going to end the episode by talking about one of our dearest listeners, in fact. Uh, lovely Jake. Some of you might actually remember many of his letters that he sent in. Because he sent us a spooky story that was hilariously daft, wasn't it, Bernard? Oh, yes. It was uh, one of the biggest laughs we had ever in a section on spooky stories. Jake wrote to us several more times after that and he really was game for anything so during one episode we just we told him to dress up as a pirate and he did he did full pirate regalia yes and put photographic it on, evidence and everything yes uh, put it on social media and tagged us in and there he was and it was very detailed and we were we were delighted it was very impressive i mean that was jake really he not only had a sense of fun he was committed to fun he pursued it he wooed it he made sweet love to it jake was also funny and sweet and he had 
excellent taste in women. He was a real Bernard, which is the highest accolade I can give. No, thank you. And we had the absolute pleasure of meeting him and his lovely fiance Kirsty at our live show last September. They married shortly afterwards, and far too soon after that, Jake passed away. His brother has set up a Just Giving site in his memory for the charity Make-A-Wish, which we've put in the show notes of today's episode, so please do give if you can. So Jake and Kirsty, you'll always be a part of this show. And now we'd like to play for you once again Jake's brilliant ghost story. But now we have some ghost stories, and Jake, he also sent us a ghost story. I will truncate it a little bit, Jake, I hope you don't mind. And uh, uh, maybe you can put some spooky music under this, Bernard. Yes, I think a ghost story warrants some more spooky music. All right, so this is Jake. Good afternoon, Madam and Bernard. I mean, he's said that already. He's polite, isn't he? Yes. Having worked various jobs throughout my years from being a cameraman for a paranormal show. Ooh, that sounds good, doesn't Goodness. it? Goodness. To a snowman at Santa's workshop. I mean, that's very different. He's versatile. He is, is very Jake. versatile, Jake. I have I no have, idea. I have found myself in various spooky locations, especially Santa's workshop, he says. Ha 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 ha. Very good one. Very, good. very good. We do love a good joke yes. here. I thought I would tell my own ghost story, something that happened many years ago, but I still remember to this day. Well, I, I presume you do. I would hope That's so. That's you're telling us about yes. it. My very own paranormal encounter in the dark, wooded countryside roads in Ashford, Kent. I would teach IT, specialising in using certain fruit logo-based computer tablets. I had been working very late with a client at their office, which was in the countryside. It was one in the morning and I was driving home, being very late and the weather coming down very heavily. I'm assuming rain. I, I, I would assume coming down. What Im- else is going to come down? It implies rain. I suppose snow, sleet, perhaps? Yes, yes. Maybe. These are very different things, Jake. You should actually tell us. Yes. If it, if it was a, a plague of frogs raining from the sky, you'd want to say that, wouldn't you? Yes, I would have thought he would say that. You know, the, the key to good storytelling is specificity. Detailed, Remember yes. that, people who re- write in in future. Not that I'm dissing Jake. This is a very good story. <laughs> okay, where was I? Oh, yes. There was a plague of frogs. I was driving very slowly through the country roads trying to get home. As the rain... Oh, it is rain. He oh, he did specify. Yes, hit my car's windshield. I was finding it harder to see the road ahead of me. The roads were winding and turning. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Trees, shadows, all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> really respectful reading of Jake's very personal story here. Now these roads are covered by trees on both sides. The trees arched into a canopy, their branches hanging down, curving into an almost perfect arch. The branches swayed by the wind and rain. Oh, he's getting quite poetic here. He is, So yes. this arch would break and form over and over. My car lights would allow me to see up through the road, but then BOOM! BOOM is in capital letters. <gasps> BOOM! The leafy canopy would close. Right. <laughs> I swear I saw someone in the middle of the road. They stood and stared at me. They pointed upward. A hooded and thin frame of a person. I couldn't see their face, but could see their hand pointing upward, almost skeleton-like. As I stared at them, I heard a creak, and out of nowhere, a tree branch fell and crashed into the road. I slammed my foot on the brakes to make sure I didn't hit the branch. Parking my car up, I sat there looking out at the branch. (laughs) I then looked ahead, and the person who I saw was gone. (laughs) Right? They had vanished. This stretch of road had continuous roads. Yes, you told us about the trees. Continuous rows of trees disappearing into the darkness. A lot of trees in this story. Yes, well, they're, they're creepy, aren't they, trees? And one of them just tried to kill him. Yes. Uh, there were no houses through the trees, nor any streetlights. Only the lights from my car, which only went a little bit further beyond the tree branch that fell down. I thought to myself, what to do next? Obviously, I could drive round the tree branch, as there was enough space to get around it. But still, I couldn't just leave it there. <laughs> 
How big was this tree fall? Imagine if it's just a twig. Oh, a twig fell down. <laughs> I decided to get out of the car. I thought, what if this was a sting or trap? A sting? A sting operation. <laughs> a ghostly sting. What are you carrying, Jake? Imagine what? a sting operation where a ghostly figure stands in the middle of the road pointing upwards. I like this well, this sort of person that would go, oh, I've seen a ghost. Wait, this is a sting operation. <laughs> yes, yes, what are you hiding? Rather suspicious, Jake. And then he says, what if I am about to get mugged? I decided, nope, it's fine. <laughs> I just moved the branch and run back to the car, like something out of Scooby-Doo. I ran quickly over to the branch and skidded and ran my feet as fast as I could to pick myself up. <laughs> Though very wet and pokey, the branch was not that heavy to move. Pokey. <laughs> well, it's surely something is pokey only if it's poking you. Well, a pokey can mean small, can't it? Can it? Yes, a pokey little flat or something. Oh, I suppose so, yes. Uh, I imagined him... A pokey stick. <laughs> ...walking around poking things. Obviously, adrenaline was kicking in as I moved the branch toward the tree bank on the side of the road. I curiously looked up the road to try and find the figure who had warned of the impending falling branch, but still, there was no one there. I still want to know how big this branch is. Yes. Feeling the rain starting to fall harder, I rushed back to the car. Still spooked, I quickly got myself into the car and jumped into my seat. Having seen movies and TV... <laughs> <laughs> I quickly checked the back seat. No escaped serial killer or Jason Voorhees was not going to jump out and get uh, me from the back, no yeah, sirree. That's very good. Very I was greeted empty back seat. I felt a weight off the back of me and I sighed. I started the car up and drove home. I hope we haven't uh, uh, laughed too much right, Jason. Well, story. it's just a very flamboyantly written story, but it, it is. It is, but I like it. It's a good drama. story. Yes, there's a lot in it. Yes, and the, the, the very particular lack of details, which means we have no idea how big the branch is. <laughs> well, I'm assuming. Why it's so pokey? Uh, right, yes, yes, that's the big question yes. in this, isn't it? But he has a final question for us. Yes. What was it? A protective spectre or spirit? A guardian angel? If I find myself driving through that particular stretch of road these days, I remind myself of that night and it always stays with me. Don't have nightmares, winky face, <laughs> says Jake. Oh, you tease Jake. I mean, we could ask David Attenborough if what it was. I mean, we could do. It's, yes. it's rather interesting because it seems as if it, as he says, might be a protective spirit. But let's we see what David Attenborough says. I mean, did he did he actually um, put the brakes on because of the man with the? Well, he the saw he hand. saw a, a, a sort of an emaciated hooded figure with a skeletal hand pointing upwards. And but then he a, only put his foot on the brakes after the branch fell. So the man was a bit redundant, to be so, honest. So there was a ghost going, oh, hello, mate, watch out, there's a branch <laughs> about to fall. And then the branch fell, and then he put his, uh, he slammed on the brakes. So it might just be a ghost trying to help from the other side. And, and his timing wasn't very good, because he could have given him more warning. Yes, but I mean, as we've said before, these ghosts are just people, aren't they? They're not, they're, yes, they're nothing people special. people are fallible. Yes, and, uh, you know, good timing is something that not a lot of people have. Yes. <laughs> Should we check on what, uh, what David Attenborough yes. Right. Uh, so no no numbers, so I'm going to have to go into a trance. All right. And flick. Yes, she's flicking the pages as usual. Her eyes rolling back into the back of her skull. Speaking in tongues. That, that doesn't always happen. But then... All right, stop. Indonesia, 1956. Give us a number. Uh, five. One, two, three, four, five. Gamelan, they create new traditions. Ah. 
Do you, do you know what a gamelan is, my dear? No, and he doesn't explain it either. Well, a, a gamelan is actually a, a, an ensemble of instruments. It's a, a large collection of small, sort of uh, percussive mostly instruments, tuned percussion, big gongs and lots of sort of xylophone-looking things uh, in, in Indonesia. And you play them all together uh, as a gamelan group and it sounds like a sort of very plinky-plonky sort of meditative sound. So there you go, Jake, there's your answer. A gamelan. Ooh, you know what that means? That means there's a collection of these men who pointed branches. So what this is saying, Jake, is that you might meet another pokey branch man. Right. Not and, the same one. And, and maybe he might uh, alert you to another sort of minor hazard in your life. Yes. Go, well, look, there's a pothole there. Yes. But I uh, only but point only, to it. <laughs> only at the point where you couldn't possibly avoid it. <laughs> oh, there's a cliff over there, cliff yes. edge. Just as your foot's going off the edge of the cliff. Uh, he appears and goes, oh, watch it. Just as a custard pie is seconds from hitting you in the face, another one ap- uh, appears and goes, oh, oh custard no. pie. Oh, it hit you. Well, you know, should have paid more attention. <laughs> yes, they're not very helpful, these people. But they never are. No, they never they're are. They're never useless, they never are they? The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. I got this really strange email last night. I need to see what's going on with this mystery file. Hey, it's a map of a town called Ocean Bay. Someone sent these images to you for a reason. I'm so lost right now. When was the last time you chose a direction and followed it? I'm going to Ocean Bay. We don't get many tourists this time of year. Ocean Bay is a friendly town, but we're not that friendly. I never sent you an email. I don't even know you. And why exactly are you here? The map is the reason we're here. Maps help when you're lost. Do you know what a trap street is? Trap streets aren't real. They don't exist. Don't trust anyone unless they give you a reason to trust them. I I think he's dead. How could so much damage happen to a human body in such a short period of time? What the hell is going on here? From the creators of Strange Air, this is Trap Street. So maps can have secrets. Yes, maps can have secrets. <laughs> <laughs>